any good stories from the road. And pipe up. I wish we'd gotten seen a little bit more out of our punter. I'm starting to puke. It makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. I thought he was going to die. I'm starting to throw up in my mouth a little bit. He's on the probiotics. Is Georgia playing the 1985 Bears this weekend or what? A lot of Todd, Todd, Todd talk. Rat poison proof. They're mongeese. We will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. I can promise you that. The hunting that we do will be done from us going the other direction. Hey, everybody. Welcome in. Uh, I'm going to start the show with a brief moment of silence for Jake Rowe, who allegedly has uh, stomach issues. That's what he says. He's on the probiotic. (laughs) He, He needs probiotics. We need to inject them into his stomach, Pulp Fiction style. A child's element. Uh, a child's element. Jake Roos and Palmer Toms are here. I'm Wes Blankenship. Guys, we don't have an NCAA tournament team to talk about on the show tonight. Uh, maybe next year. And I don't know if Georgia – do you think Georgia would have declined an NIT invite like UNC did? No way. No, that Georgia basketball could probably use any line of positivity that it could possibly receive. Georgia basketball, Georgia basketball wouldn't have declined a CBI or CIT invite. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. Um, no, Matthew. See, I don't. I don't know if he needs the Jamie Lee Curtis yogurt or not, but uh, he needs a little bit of help. So y'all say a prayer. Yeah. Uh, think Palm. Do you, you think? Uh, I mean, Georgia. I don't know. I guess does it does it all depend on how the transfers pan out over the course of the year if they're uh, if they're back in this conversation next year? Yes. Um, okay, so I was waiting on this. Georgia women's basketball just announced into the tournament uh, they're going to be the ten seed playing Florida State in the Iowa City uh, Iowa Regional. So you gonna go? There you go. We do have an NCAA tournament team to talk about. Um, no, I mean. That that's a first year coach. Um, this was a first year coach hired a year ago today on Selection Sunday. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think without getting into too much detail here, Georgia's going to lose a couple of guys. Um, you know, already They're, they've got a couple of seniors, three seniors who are out of eligibility, one senior who has said. Um, you know, he does not plan to play college basketball next year. Um, they've got another senior in Terry Roberts that they're waiting on, who is their leading scorer. Uh, Kerry Oquendo, my money would be on him entering the transfer portal probably Man. tomorrow when, when that portal opens. And he was um, kind of like on the fence uh, earlier, you know, this past offseason, was he, he not? Well, entered, he, he? he entered last season. He yeah. entered last season but decided to come back to Georgia. Um, I would – my money would be on him entering and leaving this go around um, him and Terry Roberts, probably both. Um, and, and, and that's a tough blow. You're two leading scorers. So that leaves Georgia with six spots in the transfer portal that they can go out and add. They need big men. They need guards that can handle the ball. They need scorers. They need a little bit of it all. Um <laughs> So it sounds like they need a little bit of everything. Yeah, all the parts of a basketball team. They, 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 they need an arena that do, isn't falling apart. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, they, they, they've got a coach. They've got a coach. Um, I do think that they laid a good foundation. Um, clearly not at the arena, but in in terms of uh, no, the, I think the foundation fine is the foundation is fine. It's just the roof, right? So, yeah, yeah, it I is know. the roof. 
No, I'm I'm curious because I I don't know this. I didn't watch Georgia basketball. Lucky I, you. I pre I appreciate I appreciate you writing all those <laughs> articles, Palmer. I didn't read a lot of them. I'll be honest with you. Why is why what is the deal with Aquendo? Why is why is he going to leave? I don't know that I understand. I, I get the move. I don't. Is he, is he, is he gruntled or does he feel like he can improve his situation? I I would probably lean more towards the disgruntled side. Um, okay, he is not a great defender. Um, and Mike White is a defensive-minded coach. Um, and and look no further than the second half of the SEC tournament game that they played against LSU. Cario played two minutes, um, played – I think it was the first two minutes, if I'm not mistaken, but played um, two minutes in, the, in that half. Uh, he came off to the bench. Georgia was down double digits. They went on a run. They, they needed stops. And obviously needed scores to get back in, but they needed to get some stops, got the stops, got the scores. He didn't end up coming back in the game. So played two minutes in the second half. Um, you know, I, I think that you, if, if you look at the team down the stretch, there was a checked outness um, from Terry Roberts post concussion um, from Cario, um, very streaky player. Um, so I would say probably a little bit of both. Um, I think that with him last year um, being the leading scorer coming back, it was a situation of really good player on a bad team. Mm. And, and and he looked a lot better because of the players that he was playing around. Um, and he had a lot of free will there. He, he had a lot of ability to go, go get his because no one else on that team was good enough to get theirs. Um, and, and so I think – it's probably best that they do part ways and, and that they do bring in some, some new guys. Um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see, like I said, they need a little bit of everything in the portal. They've got two freshmen uh, that are going to be coming in um, in Mari Jordan, who's from Atlanta area and Dylan James, he's a small Ford um, and Dylan, Dylan James, um, Dylan James from, uh, Florida area. So, um, Palmer, what do we know about Stegman? Andy Stowe is asking if the I know games nothing. will be. I mean, I, it, I would say we'll probably learn a lot more about that in in the next coming days and weeks. I mean, they're not going to have to play home games at like Bear Hollow Zoo up, up the road, <laughs> are they? <laughs> they out, on the think- at, uh, out on the courts at. Uh, uh, in normal town, man, just over, <laughs> over outside of the Russell Hall. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think they're they're going to be uh, lacing them up at Clark Central next year. Um, that would be I, sick, know, though. They should do sick, one though. game. That would, would be, be awesome. great. It would be like cool. A community um, game. But no, I, I don't Ramsey think there's, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Gymnastics is in season they had a meet uh that was done or yeah I was, I was supposed to take my daughter and uh they they moved it yeah that duluth. was like good enough wasn't it it was in duluth yeah so yeah. um yeah i mean I, I i think that stegman will be fixed by then and if it's not fixed by then 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 we're we're seeing a big renovation that's happening they're gonna they're listen i i mean this may be like the flare, right? Like it, like a lot of people have called for Stegman to be upgraded significantly for a long time. They upgraded I, I, it I, in 2017. Right. I mean, well, I, 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 I think, I, I, mean, I, I think, it's a, I think it's a cool, I, no, I think it's a cool venue 
And I think that the location is ideal. I think where it is is perfect. Bingo. So I hope that that doesn't change at all, whatever they decide to do. Bingo. I mean, they a lot of folks called for with the Classic uh, Center doing some renovation um, and adding on that arena there. Mm-hmm. I think a lot, of, a lot of people would have loved for Georgia to jump on that. But the UGA Athletic Association wants a university-owned, on-campus athletic facility that they can have and, and use and rent out for different events, whether it be high school graduations, um, you know, a, a multi-purpose facility that they can use for camps, for, you know, Concerts. other sports, um, yeah, for prospects. Um, you know, you've got volleyball plays in there in the fall. Gymnastics is obviously done in there. And, and that is a that, – that's a big part of the thinking here too is gymnastics is something that draws attention – um, you know, for a while, and, and it might, may still be the case, it was the second best attended sport on campus. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that that is absolutely in consideration here. They want something that's going to be on campus. Like you said, the location of Stegman is awesome. Um, I think that. Well, hey, in a few years, Kirby location. may have expanded the football facilities to to uh, include the footprint of where Stegman is now. I they, think. Might, they might just take it. Make, yeah, they might. Make, is, make another indoor out of it or some, <laughs> somewhere to host recruits. They, they, like they the might professor have on, uh, he's like the professor on I Think You Should Leave. Give me that. <laughs> Give me that. Uh, Give me Jonathan that. Taylor is asking if there's any uh, highlights of Carson Beck scrambling. I think this may be the closest uh, <laughs> chance you have of that right now because I think uh, Georgia wants to keep Carson Beck in the pocket and healthy and not moving around too much. And he just are there, are there really never had, had to do it. I got to say, I'm pretty impressed with what I'm seeing here. This looks pretty damn good. This video right here is from Georgia football. Uh, says we have some real chefs on the team. Rookies taking on the vets. I don't have the audio on, but y'all can go back and watch that. And it looks like there are some people who can actually uh, find themselves uh, cooking into some uh, I don't know, some cooking competitions down the road. I mean, look at that salmon, that rice pilaf. I'm with it, man. That looks is that a pilaf? Right? Is a pilaf uh, – is that what that thing is, like that <laughs> cylinder of rice? Look, I, I, I was proud I of my – so I, uh, I, was, I was proud of my grilled chicken salad that I made for dinner tonight, but that's that doesn't compare. Um, all right, let's actually talk some football. All right. I want to start the show tonight. Palmer, you had an interesting – dive i've seen some other people around here uh, on the beat asking about this i'm not going to claim I, I just with my producing wizardry came up with this question on my own but i think it's a pretty cool hypothetical the 2021 georgia national championship team taking on the 2022 national championship team i love this debate because no one will ever get to settle it and we can talk <laughs> about it forever So many people want to compare Georgia's 2021 national championship team against LSU's 2019 national championship team. And I think that's an interesting debate as well. And maybe when Jake Rose healthy and he's able to come back on, uh, we can get into that one because I think that one could keep us talking for a while too. But the 21 team against the 22 team, one team with a much better defense, another team with a significantly – I don't know if it's even a significantly better offense, but a marginally better offense at least. Palmer, where did you land as you wrote this and found yourself thinking about it and going through all the variables? What sets these two teams apart in your mind? 
man, I, I didn't really even think about where I landed when I was writing it because, um, you know, I was, I was listening to what these, these guys on the team, um, we talked to them at the combine about it and, and what they had to say. And I was actually, uh, you know, amazed that Robert Beal, who was on, who was the team sack leader on the 21 team and in that generational defense, he ended up going with the 22 squad uh, versus Kyrus Jackson, who was a part of the better offense, one of the, the top scoring offenses in school history uh, on the, in 2022. He went with the 21 squad. So wow. I think. And he um, had a bigger role on the 22 team. Eh, I would say it was equally big. I mean, um, you know, he was he was banged up during. Here, that here's what I, here's what I mean by that. He had more significant moments, I would say. Yes. Yeah, twenty-two season. I mean, his his catch in the Peach Bowl was significant. His catch against uh, big game against, at Mississippi State. Yep, I, he I think he had a catch against Missouri that was pretty big in in setting up uh, the game winning score there. Yes, you're right. He did have more moments in twenty twenty two than he did twenty one. Um, you know, I, I think as as I think about it, it is it is a really good defense against a really good offense. And we saw that happen in 21. We saw the way that um, Alabama was able to pick apart Georgia's defense in, in that SEC championship meeting. And, you know, part of me wonders if, if the 22 offense could do same things to that 21 defense. Um, you know, the players said, 21 was more talented, but 22 had more fight. Um, and mm. I, th- I think I probably land with, um, you know, both teams very talented. Um, 21 had a lot of the same talent that 22 did have. Um, you know, those, those were combined um, versus, you know, 22 lost 15 guys to the NFL. Um, I probably would go with 22 because of the offense, um, and because of another year of experience for Stetson Bennett, I mean, if if we're if we're talking first year starter Stetson Bennett versus second year starter Stetson Bennett, I like Stetson twenty two Stetson. Um, you know, I, I think that the run game was the the running backs were probably more um, be, better suited in twenty one to to actually run the ball, but you had Kenny McIntosh that was great. Yeah. Out of the backfield. I thought the offensive line was probably a, a tad bit better in 22 um, in terms of keeping Stetson on his feet. And, and, you know, you had another, you had a developed Brock Bowers. Ultimately, I mean, obviously the, the, the big question is, you know, how does George Pickens and A.D. Mitchell, you know, how does that play out? Are we counting them as healthy? Um, right. you know, it, it's a hypothetical. It doesn't matter. There is no right I would, or wrong. I would answer. say, yeah, I mean that's a, that's a huge. Part the healthy of the George Pickens on that twenty one squad makes a huge Better. difference. Okay, but we saw that a healthy AD Mitchell does too. Let's say the two the Georgia teams that played in each national championship game. How about that? So if that's I mean, the I, case, I think AD Mitchell was healthier than George Pickens. And yeah. you, you were still seeing a limited George Pickens, and I don't think you were seeing a limited AD Mitchell. I'm I think I'm going with the 22 team as well. Yeah. And it's more more about the DNA of the team that you mentioned that they had more fight because that goes back to the spring or not the spring but the fall when Kirby was talking about 
what he'd already seen as kind of the, the identity coming out of spring. And that's what he said, you know, that, that spring and, and summer camp period was all about was finding out what the identity of the team was. And he even said back then that he was surprised with how much leadership already existed uh, in the team. And I just, I, I heard him say that and I felt like, that was just a byproduct of a team that knew what it took to win a championship. You had guys who were younger on that championship team and they saw a lot of older guys leave and they learned from them and they already knew it was kind of baked in how to lead and not just rely on the coaches to motivate them and inspire them and hold people accountable. And I just it seemed like you had more people doing that on the 2022 team and talent. Maybe you had more talent on the 21 team, but you had a team that had been there before on the 22, uh, 2022 team. And your point about Stetson and Munkin, like their connection, they had another year to build. Um, there's just a lot of factors there. And I think people look at that 21 defense and they see, oh, this, this defense was historically great. They were the defensive equivalent of LSU's 2019 offense. How can anyone move the ball on them? But Bama did. Now, Georgia's offense does things differently than Bama did. And before Mechie and Jamison Williams got hurt, that was it. It was just, let's, let's use our big guys. Let's use our, and not physically big, but let's use our, you know, main weapons here to take apart this Georgia defense. And Georgia is just death by a thousand cuts on Todd Munkin's offense. So I would like to see how, the 21 defense stacked up against that kind of attack where so many guys have to be accounted for. I don't think Georgia's 21 defense went up against an offense like that because once those receivers went down, Bama did too. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm torn, man. I, it, it's, it's a tough debate because to me, the defensive line in 21 was incredible. I mean, you're talking about Jordan Davis. You're talking about Trayvon Walker, the number one pick in the NFL draft. And listen, can Mike Wyatt was a first rounder? Jalen Carter was going to be a first rounder. You got Channing Tindall, Quay Walker, and uh, Nicobe Dean in that linebacking core, which is insane. Um, Lewis Seen was incredible on the back end. I don't know that there was a huge drop off bringing in Malachi Starks, though, there. I think that you got an upgrade at the star position with Javon Bullard taking over there. Um, you know, it's tough, man. It really is. It's hard. Um, I, I tend to lean toward 2022 for, um, two or two players specifically. And that's, uh, Brock Bowers and Stetson Bennett, just another year with both of them, uh, another year of experience under their belt. You know, Brock Bowers as incredible as he was in his freshman year, he was equally as incredible and just knew the college game better in his sophomore year. And so, to me, he's the guy that kind of gets the whole offense going. I think he had a better running back core in uh, 2021 uh, with Zamir and and uh, James in there. But, you know, there's I, – I think probably – You had more backs too. I mean, right, those sure, were sure. very limited in terms of who you could hand the ball off to this year uh, if, yeah, in terms of running backs. And that's why Bowers ended up getting some carries. I'm curious, who, who are you taking when you're talking about offensive line? If you're comparing the two offensive lines, to Tate, me, Rattledge, Tate Rattledge over Erickson. No, sure, sure, sure. But what, and, I, I guess and, I don't know that there's a huge difference between uh, Jamari and Broderick. I don't know that there's a huge difference. I mean, we ended up seeing the best version of that of that Georgia offensive line that we saw in 21 had Broderick Jones in it. No, Addy. 
I agree. I mean, Justin Schaefer versus versus Xavier Trust. I don't know that it's a huge difference. I think Cedric stepped it up this this past season and, yeah. and was was a, a tick better. I mean, I don't think there's a huge difference. I think no. that I mean, like you said, I think the biggest difference was Stetson and and Brock Bowers and Matthew C points out Darnell Washington was a much bigger part of the offense in yeah. in 2022 than he was in 21 you know i mean i i think lad was a was a force in 22 more so than he was in 21 he had um, he had his highs and lows he, he was did. way more consistent in 21 he did but he wasn't as big um, of a yeah, part of the Al- equation auburn would auburn that auburn defender would say that 21 that that, that <laughs> auburn game was that auburn game was, was filthy um, you know, and, and one thing I will add, if you want to compare these defenses and how they handled matchups like an elite offense, Georgia's 22 squad did not handle Mechie and Williams well. Georgia's 22 squad uh, handled Marvin Harrison and Emeka Igbuka did and they? Julian Fleming better, in my opinion. Especially in that second half, well, yeah, because they knocked him out of the game. But it, but if you look at his third quarter stats, it, it wasn't like he was tearing it up. Yeah, they just dedicated it. I guess Ohio State was the closest facsimile to Georgia's offense. Yeah, because they had some weapons. Once once Georgia did focus on Marvin Harrison Jr. before they knocked him out, other guys were getting open. I mean, that's just well, the way. I mean, that was just, but that was just the virtue. I mean, that was just by virtue of. I mean, C.J. Stroud was able to extend those plays for seven seconds. Yeah, no one really. Nobody, nobody on can. Co- nobody can cover for seven seconds. I also, right? I also think C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback than Bryce Young. So I, you, I'm with you, actually. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, if I, I was the Carolina Panthers, I'd be taking C.J. Stroud over Bryce Young or yeah. Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. <laughs> yeah. Anthony yeah. Richardson. Someone brought that up on the board. I'm not an Anthony Richardson hater. But I am an Anthony Richardson at number one overall in the NFL draft hater. That's I'm not even going to deny yeah. that. We, one. we got to wait to have that kind of a conversation until Roe is on because I know he's pretty opinionated about it. All. Well, we can just go to Twitter. Here's here's the thing. I pray to God it happens because I I feel like if it doesn't, the Falcons are going to figure out how to do it, and I don't <laughs> want, and I don't want to see that. So I, just, I, I, I I pray that that the Carolina Panthers cannot resist the charms of Anthony Richardson. Richardson. I just couldn't believe that there's any possibility that Florida, with all the turmoil that the Gators currently have going on, could possibly have that big of a program marketing boost with everything oh, yeah. happening in Gainesville right now. To like, with everything they have going on, with the players hitting the portal, the coaching staff turmoil, fans freaking out about Billy. Well, we do have the number one overall pick in the draft. Well, like that that graphic would be hammered to death on oh, Twitter God. and Instagram. Yeah, but so would the one that like said six and seven. You know, I mean, like yeah, no, I know. But what, 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 it's what it's like, oh yeah, on? you you've got coaches that were capable of being NFL coaches. You've got the number one overall draft pick. Uh, yeah, you probably should have been a little bit higher than six and seven. I get it, but yeah, uh, no. Listen, I like I said this this is it's it's an interesting debate. I mean the. So, uh, the not only him, but the the twenty twenty one the twenty one twenty two thing. Jordan Davis, Jordan Davis was such a difference maker, man. 
He was so good. Are y'all, are y'all surprised by the fact that, that Florida has never had a first overall pick? I am um, surprised by that. Because I was surprised by that. Surprised by that one and Bama. It's still – Bama hasn't either? Really? No. They've never had a number one overall. Um, and they could. I mean, I don't think – I don't think anyone's going to really uh, hate on Bryce Young as a number one overall Georgia pick too much if it happens. This year. That's, a, that's unfortunate for them. What's that? I said Georgia won't go back-to-back number one overall picks. No, I, I don't think that was ever going to happen, though. I, I think that the, the, the plan for a team to trade into that number one spot. I, agree, I agree. I agree. But I, 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 still, I still maintain that I do think Jalen Carter may be the best – the top yeah. prospect in the draft. And, the and, and I think, I mean, as a Titans fan, if he slips out of the top ten and they don't take him at 11, even with Jeff Simmons there – I told That's, you what's gonna. I told you what's gonna happen if he slips past the Falcons pick. You know what's yeah, gonna happen we're, on the show. We won't be seeing, won't be seeing you on the show. <laughs> we're gonna see it live on the. No, show. we're not. We're just not gonna go live. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just know. I'll pencil that in. Um, I wrote on uh on Bloody Tuesday though. I mean, there's been all these predictions now that Jalen Carter is gonna fall out of the top ten. Hottest take that I probably could offer up because I'm not a hot take guy. I'm just bored by. It hot takes but my hottest take is i don't think jalen carter is going to fall out of the top 10 i don't I think that either. that is so i don't know that he falls out of the top five moral like grandstanding that that any reporter that really believes that should probably just like go back and look at the history of the league and what the gms do i said this i said this i mean on the tank show uh, last tuesday jalen carter say whatever you want about him that it, you know Maybe there's a track record to speak to what he's done. Jalen Carter largely was in trouble for participating in the crime that the majority of Americans participate in. The number one crime that everyone participates in. Yeah. Yep. And I, and mean, I also said this. I said this today um, talking about the, the whole situation with, with a friend. If that did not happen in Athens and that other car did not have – Georgia football program members in it. There's no questions about Georgia's football culture. If no, that no. happens in Dallas and it's got members of, you know, just his his friend group or or his his NFL training squad or whatever, that there's no questions about Kirby Smart the Kirby Smart's having to answer about Georgia football's culture. No, it's it's the fact that the kid is under such a significant magnifying glass and you know, I think, and again, I'll reiterate, like I said, I said this last week on the radio, the kid is a lot of people. It takes something pretty profound to happen in their life before they realize that they're not invincible. And this kid, I think probably for him, this was the moment where he woke up and said, had to, had to say, look, I'm not just anybody. I'm not, I'm not Dave. I'm not, I'm not Dave from Blairsville. Okay? Yeah. Because the cop that, uh, let right. him go definitely didn't send that message to him exactly exactly right sure so yeah i think that you know sometimes you you hope that that this is a moment that will propel change in, in the young man's life i do yeah for not yeah not just for jalen but for a lot of his teammates and for the coaching staff and everyone that has to do that work but we talk about that every week and we also talk about breaking tea every week it is the most phenomenal georgia apparel resource you can have in your bag got t-shirts sweatshirts hoodies mugs 
And not only is it a bunch of uh, championship apparel to celebrate the back-to-back Georgia titles, it's stuff that celebrates greatness on an individual level, like Brock Bowers, Stetson Bennett, Christopher Smith, among others. Be sure to check out Breaking Tea. As always, there is a link in the show description. Well, Our number to, one pick. Our number one pick. Yeah, that's our number one pick. Um, let's just get to some questions uh, really quick before I hop into uh, this next topic, guys. Jonathan Taylor asking us about uh, Riddick on, on Flip Watch and talking to us about – Colts running back, uh, Jonathan Taylor? Mm, yeah. No. Rumors of Matthew Stafford to the Falcons. I can't really keep up with Jonathan Taylor, but trust me, J- JT, we will get to uh, all this recruiting news. We got a recruiting segment tonight. I, I, in a moment. I, so yeah. based, on, based on the research that I've seen and stuff, the, the Rams are not trading Stafford. I, do, I think that them trading Jalen Ramsey today was a, a move that – people are surprised by, but I think they say what the Falcons should have landed Jalen Ramsey. That was a very reasonable asking price for a guy who is that trade. uh, I saw somebody tweeted that it wouldn't have been approved on Madden. Bring him home to Nashville. Oh yeah. I forgot. He is a Nashville guy, isn't he? Where do you play? Brentwood Academy. You like to hate on, you like to hate on the uh, private school division. (laughs) Yeah. He he played within it. Hey, Palmer explain something to me. Wit Muschamp, uh, Boom's son, committed to Vandy. He's at a private school in Chattanooga. How's uh, How's Muschamp doing that? How does that work? Does it's Does morning. he Does Wit just Is he just living like this high school king up by himself in Chattanooga? Or, or what's it's a boarding school? Yeah, I was gonna say Baylor's probably yeah. a boarding. Right? It's It's a co-ed okay. boarding school. There's two boarding schools in Chattanooga, um, or, or three boarding schools in Chattanooga. One all boys, one all girls, and then a co-ed one. I went by girls prep the other day, man. That I, I didn't like stop in. No, no, nobody thinks anything. Okay, weird that's what I but, but 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 dude, Andy, I, Andy Bernard situation here. We, we drove we drove by there. The the campus was incredible, man. It was what a, it looks like a college. It's stunning. Yeah, the boarding schools that I know of in Georgia, you only go to if you get in trouble. So I just wasn't sure how that. Ah, no. Tate Ratledge went to Darlington Academy. Now he lived. Oh, in that's Rome. right. He went to Rome, but which but Darlington has the ability to board if if that's something you so chose. Um, okay. So I appreciate you clearing that up. I wanted to ask a Tennessee guy about it on the show, Palmer, and uh, you didn't disappoint. So I wanted to ask Jake Rowe about this. He had a profile uh, on Lawson Lucky uh, as an early enrollee. Obviously, Jake Rowe is not here tonight. You got a stomach bug. Uh, but, Roos, I mean, I figured you were just covering this guy pretty extensively over the last couple of years. My name's Jake, too. Why not? Yeah, let's just have another Jake do it. Um, but uh, Roe said that he sees a little bit of a Brock Bowers body type and style of play. This is a premium article over at dogshq.com, so I'm not going to read it word for word. Uh, but that's a pretty lofty comparison when you look at the early enrollees that George is going to start putting to work this spring. Yeah, um, you know, I think that that's pretty fair. I think that that kind of ended up being the thing over the course of his senior year of high school. Lawson Lucky's not one of those guys that's going to overwhelm you with size like a Darnell Washington would. But, you know, when you're talking about that, you know, kind of 6'3", you know, speedy, really good hands, he, he is that dude for sure. And so that's where those Brock Bowers comparisons come, man. And um, 
I, I think that that's pretty fair. Like, I, I'm not going to say the kid is. That's, that's that's not fair to put on anybody. But I think that uh, in terms of style of play, in terms of frame, then, yeah, those are easy comparisons to make. So, Lawson and Lucky, uh, you know, I think is, is going to be a, a really – I think he has a chance to be a really, really tremendous player for Georgia. And I think that they landed another tremendous player in uh, uh, Pierce Sperlin. Um, but to me, Pierce Sperlin is that longer frame. He's uh, more of a, an Oscar Delp. Delp. Type, you know, yeah, right. It, you know, and I think he's bigger than Delp, if I'm not mistaken. He's a little so, bit longer. Bruce, my question, you, you say like, oh, he's a little bit more of that Oscar Delp frame. Like, mm-hmm. what to you is – Oscar Delp is he's not Darnell Washington. No, no, but he's longer he's than Brock, not Brock Powers. Yeah, so I, I tell people this a lot. Like I met, I I interviewed both of them in person. Brock Bowers is probably more like six two and a half. Yeah, I, I, he's not. He's he's not gonna like. He's not gonna overwhelm you with his size. He's stout. I mean, he's built right, but he's not. And he's has not probably black. the longest arms, like per capita compared to his body length. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have noticed, there's a charity golf thing he played at over the summer, and he was, like, walking on the putting green. I was like, oh, my gosh. He doesn't even, like, he, he could use, a like, a putt-putt putter. His arms are so long. It was insane. <laughs> yeah. To me, Delp is more of the jumbo, I think, what people are accustomed to when they think of a tight end. Now, he's not thick in that way. He's not big like Darnell is, but – almost nobody is nobody's 270 and running you know what darnell runs so uh, it's you know it's one of those things that it goes i don't know i they've got guys that kind of fit into all of these molds there's nobody like darnell washington but that's because i've almost never covered anybody like darnell washington from a physical uh, build and and, uh, ability standpoint you know, Delt to me is, like I said, kind of the traditional tight end, big, long, um, you know, could he stand to put on a couple more pounds? Yeah, probably. Would it slow him down a little? You you have to worry about that, too. So it's a, it's a fine line that you're balancing. Uh, to me, that's the Sperlin mold. Lost and lucky in the Brock Bowers mold. A little bit shorter, a little bit more uh, stoutly built tremendous blocker and a guy who's a willing blocker and you know george is going to gravitate toward that that tight end position for sure um well good stuff i i just i wanted to give roe the chance to uh hype his article there but he's not with us but palmer toms you are and a couple guys you wrote about over the weekend dan jackson and javon bullard for a couple different reasons but you did write about dan jackson's experience in uh the safety battle and as you looked at uh, Jackson's impact over the past couple seasons, it's gotten a little bit bigger, but he's got a lot more talent to compete against each and every year with the way Georgia recruits in the secondary. So how important do you really think his experience can be when it stacks up against some dudes who might have a few more stars by their names? I think it's huge. I mean, I, you know, I would if, – if I'm projecting – Georgia's depth chart for the fall right now, I would say Dan Jackson is a starter at safety. Um, and, and I think that's because of the experience. I'm, I'm very interested to see what his participation in spring practices is, is going to be like. Um, I would imagine he's, he's an active participant, but obviously foot injuries uh, can, can, you know, 
lag along a little bit longer than you would like and can, can you know, some days it bothers you more so than others. Um, so, and, and, and that's a position that you have to run, um, you know, run well. Dan is, is somebody that was a player on that 21 defense. He was a player on the 22 defense. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily a starter on either of those squads. He started some games um, in, in place of Chris Smith. Uh, in, in 21 and and started the season as the starter in 22 before Malachi Starks showed us reminded us what a what a freshman all-american looks like um but you know I, I think that I think that it's not terribly crazy of an idea to say that Dan Jackson could be the starter replacing Chris Smith this fall while they bring along guys like David Daniel uh Sisavon and 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 Janelle Aguero um, you know, it, it, is it crazy to think that by midseason Dan Jackson is not a starter? No, I, I I think Dan Jackson is going to be a part of this defense. They they love playing dime package and and having Dirty Dan. They love playing that dime package and having a third safety out there. Um, David Daniel did that this year. So could he move from that third safety into a second safety? Maybe. But when, when everyone was healthy, it was Dan Jackson over David Daniel. So, I, you know, that, that's kind of what I wrote today. Don't forget about Dan. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that because with, with those guys that are injured at the end of a season and not a part of that picture, um, you know, they, they often get forgotten. And with, with a position battle that Georgia has at safety and the talent that they've got there in replacing it, don't forget about the walk-on. Yeah, Harry Leggy here. I don't know if he's uh, any relation to Dean, but he says Boom is going to play everybody, and I think that's really the the function of Georgia's defense that helps Dan Jackson. And that's no disrespect to Dirty Dan. I know that he can hold his own out there, but ultimately, you know, Georgia doesn't have a ton of guys game in and game out who you're like, oh, that's their, you know, blank island. You know, there there may be Dan Jackson Island, but. Georgia's defense rotates so many people in and out it's more so can he stay healthy and yeah for him to be a starter won't be a surprise but I think if if Dan Jackson becomes like this shutdown member of Georgia's secondary where you just can't throw on him that will be an opportunity for him to uh, enter his name into the Georgia history books but we've seen it on our message board we've seen it on social media when that guy's out there everyone just wants to beat up on him and uh, blame him for everything that goes wrong in the football game and in their personal lives. So we'll see. I'm I'm pulling for Dan Jackson. Well, Hope and, he can stay and, healthy. And I see Tyke Smith mentioned in in the comment section as well. Um, I, we're not forgetting Tyke. Tyke is a, star. a role player. He, he's a star, not right. not not a star player, a star position. Um, and, and obviously Javon Bullard, um, the the second guy that I did a profile on. Uh, today, um, Bullard is a star player, and I think that they brought in somebody in, in Smoke Bowie that has a little bit of the ability to play all around the secondary. So, do they need um, do, do they need Smoke to be a you know backup at star? Do they need That's him to point. be a third safety? Uh, could he be just a dime specialist? I you know I think that rem- it's something that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and, and I don't think we'll learn a lot about that this spring. I think we'll learn a lot about that early in the season uh, where we start to see 
you know, how that defensive backfield shakes out because, because like the commenter said earlier, um, Muschamp's going to play them all. Muschamp's, yeah. I, you know, and, and Janelle Agro is somebody that is really interesting to me because I think that, you know, if you look back at this time last year and the spring that, that Malachi Starks had, it was a lot of tough love. And, and is, that it, was is Aguero that is Aguero ready for that? It's so my that was what I was going to say about all of this is like I I had Dan Jackson kind of penciled in to be the starter last year just because ninety eight percent of the time I'm never going to slate in a freshman especially at the back end the defensive back end no way man that's a lot that's a lot of responsibility to put on a young guy Malachi starts cut from a different cloth obviously and able to step in and do that <clears throat> do I think Janelle Aguero cut similarly I do but. I'm going to go ahead and probably, like you said, Palmer, I pencil in Dan Jackson to be the guy kind of in the early part of the season. Right now, we'll see how spring plays out. Um, but, you know, I think that it's a case where you bring in, you're bringing the young guy along, getting him reps along the way, and then does it surprise me if he takes over the role at some point? No, not at all. Uh, Jack Moreno bringing up Javon Bullard, who cannot be stopped, and he is the third dog that uh, I wanted to profile in this big three profile of these bulldogs tonight and he had a celebration in milledgeville over the weekend uh got a key to the city palmer is that right yeah uh you know that's that's what logan cook says look at milledgeville i love to see milledgeville on the map man it's a great american town it's kind of like athens junior a little bit got a great little georgia college uh you know the georgia college environment from the Bobcats, been there a time or two, used to work in Macon and WMAZ and always used to uh, love any opportunity I had to either cover Baldwin or go to GMC. Coach Logan Cook, uh, is he a coach? Yeah. Logan Cook shared this video of Bullard making his way through town. I thought that was pretty sweet for him. And it it was really cool because I remembered, um, you know, remember this time last year was writing about Javon and – going back and he was reading to kids at a school um, in, in Baldwin County um, and, you know, being celebrated then. And, and as I wrote in the piece, you know, he was celebrated for being a part of a national championship team this year. He was celebrated for being a big part of a national championship team. Yeah. Defensive yeah. MVP in both games. And he, in both uh, CFP games, and he didn't even play the entire national championship game, right? He got hurt. Yeah, and he did enough to win the MVP. Talk about development. Javon Bullard, I believe a three-star guy. I don't don't think anybody had him higher than a three-star. Louisville, I think, was kind of the big offer uh, up against Georgia uh, that they were competing with. Dan Lanning led the way on Javon Bullard, and uh, what a a get that ended up being for him. He – just had that middle Georgia dog about him where he was just so tough. And, Roos, you've alluded to it a couple times, even before that Marvin Harrison Jr. hit, that he had one of the most oh, his, just physically his striking films coming out of high school you can remember. Yeah, go watch his tape, man. His high school tape was just him unloading on people. I mean, it was – it with small guys – and Javon Bullard is a small guy. He's, what, 5'11", maybe? Maybe. Uh, you know, he's 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 on the shorter end of things. So if you're good, if you know, if you got that to compete up against, right, 
you've got to play with some tenacity to catch people's eye. And man, he played, I mean, he, he's got a uh, shout out to our guy, uh, Dana point dog over on the board. He's got a little bit of that honey badger in him, man. He really does. He it's, it, he really, he comes up and he strikes and he plays so physically at that size. And that's what you got to do. I, I, I think it's uh, really, really cool to see what it's turned into for Javon Boyd. Well, Palmer, you mentioned uh, speaking of guys that just aren't, you know, that huge rangy DB that, that Kirby really seems to like to get, but if you can play, you can't stay off the field doesn't really matter what size you are. Um, I don't know how much overlap there will be, but Bullard and, and Bowie, you know, that when you see what Bullard's been able to do as a undersized guy, uh, you got to think they'll find a way to put Bowie to work too if he can stay on the field. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and with how athletic he is, um, absolutely think that he can be a, uh, a big part of the uh, part of that defense. Um, you know, again, going back to how much, how many guys they want to use, um, you use in the defensive backfield, you fresh legs and, and, and having talented fresh legs, um, you know, he could be, um, you know, cutting into a little bit of the Tyke Smith time. Yep. And, 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 and Tyke also could transition to safety where Georgia has questions. Um, yep. You know, smoke could end up, being more of a slot corner corner, um, right. you know, Bullard could, you know, move to safety. I think, I think Jake even had that as, as his early prediction, um, you know, after day after the national championship game, uh, maybe had it moved him to safety, um, mm-hmm. you know, because a, a proven guy, you've, you've got a couple of proven guys in that slot corner spot, more questions at safety. Do you, do you, mess around with it or do you try it out this spring would not surprise me with how much georgia cross trains in in the secondary that's one of the just deadliest things about georgia's team and the way that they operate at every position group is that cross training they do it on the o-line they do it in the defensive secondary about the only place they don't really try to do it yeah they turn brock bowers into a running back they don't really do it too much with the quarterback but (laughs) (laughs) but other than that I mean, it's just what amazing what they're able to do. I mean, Stetson, Stetson was a holder. Is that cross-training? Right, Nico mean, but... Hardman played quarterback in high school, so you could say he cross-trained a bit. Um, all right, let's get a, a quick recruiting roundup before we hop off of here, guys. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, told you I'd revisit your questions in the comments section here. And Jake Roos, I think you got something on Jeremiah Smith this week. Yeah, uh, our guy uh, Jeremy Johnson wrote on this yesterday. Jeremiah Smith, uh, JoJo Trader, and Charles Lester. That's three five stars uh, in town uh, to see the Bulldogs while they were in playing at the Battle 7-on-7 this past weekend. Um, This dude, Jeremiah Smith, is blowing minds, man. Every deterrent I've heard on him is that he is that guy. Um, Chad Simmons mentioned the idea that if he were to come out of high school this year, where would he go in the NFL draft and how high would it be? Um, Yeah, he's, he's, he's legit, man. He's legit. Ohio state is going to always be tough to beat for a a wide receiver. Brian Hartline is that guy uh, when it comes to that position in, in college football. And, you go look around the NFL, uh, the track record's there for him too, right? You got Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, Terry McLaurin, 
Alyssa Marvin Harrison's going to be there soon. Yeah, Marvin Harrison's going to be uh, that dude next Jack year. Jackson sure. Digba this 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 draft. Right. Yeah. So uh, they've got a they've got a strong legacy there. If you want to be a, an NFL receiver, Ohio State's a great place to do it. Georgia has to continue to build that. And I said recently too, look, George Pickens has done such a service to Georgia by doing that because AJ AJ Green was the guy carrying that flag for years. Uh, in years uh, when it came to the wide receiver position for Georgia. Now Pickens is one of Pickens, the Pickens NFL's the guy who, who has had to take that one up. So look, I, am I predicting any kind of flip or anything like that? No, I'm not. I, Jeremiah Smith is a guy that Georgia will continue to court. Um, I think that they would love to do that. Andy Stowe says if Georgia gets uh, Dylan Riola, uh, he might follow. Yeah, that's possible. You, you get that Pied Piper effect if you bring in a guy like Dylan Riola. People are going to want to be in that sphere of influence. They know what he can do. But at the same time, um, I, I think that uh, it, it's going to be tough. Georgia is going to have to continue to develop and continue to put out wide receivers. I think that they've got a great system to do it. I think that you know it's taking the turn that it needed to take. Brian McC- Brian is going to be able to bring dudes in to do it. Um, but it's just going to take some time. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, Riola, we got an interesting Twitter, like from Peyton Woodyard, Mm. Corey Williams with a bunch of numbers. I don't know if this is someone's burner or bot account or what, but, uh, Corey said, bring Riola with you to UGA and, uh, Peyton Woodyard liked it. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much to read into that, but if you do read into things like that, I just wanted to let you know because y'all don't see that stuff. Peyton Woodyard wants it. There's no question about it. He's on campus. I believe he's supposed to arrive either tonight or into into, uh, Monday morning, but um, uh, another guy who's out here for that seven-on-seven tournament, uh, I I said battle, it's pylon, Um, but they're – uh, this is he's a real key guy in this class. Big time recruiter out there uh, on on the West Coast for Georgia. Uh, very solid kid. I think he's number two in the safety rankings for on three in uh, the industry. So uh, a, a big get for Georgia there. Look, there's a lot for Georgia to sell right now. Uh, there's no question about it. And um, I think that this class really can be as historic as people think it could be. Yeah, it's, it looks special. And then quick update uh, on Riddick on Flip Watch. You hearing anything about that? Any kind of uh, news and notes on that front? Alabama's really confident right now. I will say that. Um, they felt like they made a big impression on him the last time that he visited Tuscaloosa, which I think was like a week and a half ago, if I'm not mistaken. So they feel pretty good about where they stand with Demarcus Riddick right now. I've been told that they don't feel like anything's imminent, um, but – uh, there's there's some confidence building there. The, the reality is, man, listen, he grew up in Chilton County. He's He grew up a Georgia fan, so he says, but it is hard to get dudes out of Alabama that Alabama or Auburn want. That's that just, roll tide chips away at you as a recruit. That's just how it works, man. It's just how it works. So uh, I, am, I, am I wringing my hands on it right this second? I'm not, um, but Alabama is going to continue to be a threat for Demarcus Riddick. They're not going to give up on the number one linebacker in America, regardless of if he's from Palo Alto, California, and certainly he's if he's from Chilton County, Alabama. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate it, Roos. Um, I know it's kind of that time of year where things kind of bounce around a little bit. You don't really know where things may be headed one way or another unless somebody commits, and even then you don't know uh, how firm it may be when you, you're trying to get someone like that out of the state of Alabama. 
but just want to keep the people abreast. All right, uh, let's do a dog stock Sunday really quick. I know everybody here wants to get back to watching the Oscars, so we will uh, run through these dog stocks. Guys, we talked about the most satisfying Georgia flip to a rival uh, last time we met. And Roe mentioned, and this, I guess this could be like a combo, you and me, Roos. We kind of forgot to mention Roquan Smith. And I know the question was about a rival, yeah. but that whole saga, I'm just going to have to say stock up on that being the biggest flip, even though it wasn't a rival. I think that was a super satisfying flip for the dogs because I was working in Macon, not Macon County, where he went to school. But we that was like in our footprint. I went to a couple of his games when he was a high school kid. And following along with that, the fax machine thing, the gloves, he puts the UCLA gloves up. And that was the first time I had really like uh, witnessed a commitment, a signing go into this unconventional time zone <laughs> where he was still undecided. Uh, my colleague at the time, Marvin James, went down there and was like like staking out. He was posted up talking to all of his coaches, trying to figure out what happened. And uh, it was just – it was one of the craziest flips that I know you've ever seen, Jake. But for me, I think if you're a Georgia fan, you're looking at a flip in recruiting history, and then you look at what he did in college and what he's doing in the pros right now. It's hard to top that one. Oh, no question about it, man. I And the whole day changed my life. So it, it's like a very personal one for me. I mean, I was there that morning. I saw him put the gloves on. You know, I was there to cover it for the UCLA side at Rivals. I, I was not going with a Georgia angle on it. And I just didn't have anything to do. We didn't have a, a signing day thing that day. So I just showed up. He did it. And I remember asking him, um, I think the video has since been deleted, unfortunately, but I asked him on camera, I said, so is the paperwork signed? And he was like, no, I'm still going back and forth. And like, I wish that we could get the still of my face when he said that, because like, it was, it was my first signing day, like working the beat. Like I'd never, I was on my own, you know, Jake had been like my, my mentor through the whole thing. And so I was just kind of by myself and it was insane, dude. It was, it was, it was crazy. So uh, Roquan was just breaking news to you. Oh God. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm about to crap my pants and you know, I'm, I'm in Macon County high school gym. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm nobody from nowhere. And here I am and I'm sitting on what was probably the biggest story of that day uh, in, in that signing day. So easy. It was cool. It was, that was a neat one um, for sure. And, and definitely probably for Georgia. Yeah. The biggest flip of all time. Um, Marcus Stroud has to be up there as well, though, for sure, too. I think that that's and, and that's pretty satisfying because it was Florida. And, yeah, and, and he, tore, he tore the Florida sweatshirt off on the cover of Sports Illustrated with Georgia under it, which is like just stake through the heart kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm looking back at old tweets now and I don't see any videos. No, no, I remember, I know, I know where that video was and I'm pretty sure it got deleted. And I'm, yeah. I'm pretty I'm pretty devastated by it. Um, Insane stuff, man. Wow, what a day. All right, Palmer, what you got on your stock report? Uh, I will go stock up on Georgia baseball. Um, another series win this weekend. Took two of three. Um, couldn't finish oh, off. They the beat sweep. that one team like a hundred to two. Couldn't couldn't finish off the sweep of of Charleston Southern. 
Um, but they they put up 18 runs. I think they, they won 18 to nine on Friday, 15 to nothing on uh, Saturday in the first game, and then all of a sudden the bats went cold. And they they uh, only scored four and lost five to four. Um, but they've they've won four out of uh, well, if you throw in this weekend, they have won six out of seven. They're twelve and four right now. I'm, I'm doing I'm doing bad math over here. <laughs> uh, they yeah that that math is incorrect, Palmer. Six they've out of eight. Won, they've won six, six out of eight, eight games. Six of eight games. Um, four out of one or four and one against um, Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern. Um, so. SEC play starts this weekend um, with South Carolina coming to town, and um, th- I think that that th- this is going to be pretty telling. South Carolina comes in; they were ranked number twenty this past week. They're sixteen and one overall. Um, this is when uh, big boys come out to play, and Georgia's bats have been great. Georgia's pitching has been uh, has has been what it is, and um, you know it was a question early on. The, the starters have stepped up. The bullpen has remained to be a little bit shaky, um, so they will go as far as their pitching will take them. But I think well, uh, the, the offensive output from this team has people excited. I, I see the conversation on our board um, every time they're playing. So it's time to let the big dog eat. Um, so Georgia this week they will play. Wofford Tuesday, yep. South Carolina Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Awesome. And then the women's uh, basketball team made the NCAA tournament. They'll play Florida State on Friday, which is St. Patty's Day in Iowa City, Iowa. So best of luck to the Lady Dogs, and hopefully, uh, playing on St. Patrick's Day is a good omen. I'm gonna uh, say I'm gonna say stock uh, stock in the middle and uh, let them decide how to do it, but. Make the investment in basketball, Georgia Athletics. Go fix Stegman. You got Mike White. Things are on the up and up, man. If, if there were ever a time to do it, go do it now. Man. Let's hoop. Let's hoop. Guys, thanks for watching the Georgia Show. Please hit like, hit subscribe. We do this every Sunday and Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And uh, Bark After Dark every Monday at 9. So hopefully Jake Rose got enough fluids back in him and he, he's gotten electrolytes and – He's ready to go, Palmer. You may be on deck. I don't want to. I don't want to have to do what I did after the national title, man, and just sit here and, and Jerry man or uh, uh, just filibuster for forty five minutes. <laughs> Gerrymandering filibuster. <laughs> um, I We're appreciate all that. Not a politics show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, y'all have a great week. We'll see you when we see you, and uh, hop on over to the Dogs HQ message board for the after party. If you're not already a premium subscriber, $29.99 through August 31st, you don't want to miss out on that. Y'all have a great time this week. See you soon.